Hello everyone. Welcome to my podcast to Ramley for Twitter. Now I'm thinking of changing the name. It's a bit of a work in progress at this podcast. Um, and not only am I thinking of changing the name, I'm going to work on an introduction and hopefully, hopefully I'm going to find someone else to do this podcast with me. I haven't found the right person yet, but I think I need to get someone to interrupt my excessive rambling. Anyway, we have had, um, well, I have had um, three listeners, uh, apparently, which is very exciting. I kind of thought this would just go into dead space and no one would ever hear it. Um, so thank you for the two, three people that listened. Please keep tuning in. Please feel free to write in. Um, and uh, yeah, please write into um, to Rambly for Twitter at yahoo.com. Now, I was going to do at gmail.com, but I had a bit of a tech issue. I won't get into it. Um, but how, I just say, how annoying is it when you're trying to do something super simple and then it just doesn't work? Like, that's, that's what I was dealing with. Um, yeah, I accidentally, I will get into it. <laughs> I accidentally put the date that the current date instead of my like birthday, I was going to do like a fake birthday. Um, and it thinks I'm like zero days old or something. So it won't give me an email address, um, without like a parental consent or something. And then I was trying to fake a parental consent and it wasn't working. And then I kept trying to change my birthday and like restarting the email, but it recorded that I was like underage and I couldn't start one. It was so annoying. That's what happened when I tried to do TikTok. I tried to make a TikTok for my cat and I put her actual age in being like cute. And then it was like, oh, you're underage. You can't have a TikTok. And so I tried to change the date and I, it wouldn't let me set up a TikTok and I'm like blocked from TikTok and it's really frustrating. My poor cat just wants to do some dances. Um, and yeah, no. So anyway, please, please feel free to email in your thoughts on anything I've discussed or just anything else that's going on in the world. I'll read it out. I'll discuss it. Keep it all anonymous, of course. Um, but yeah, email that email address is rambly for Twitter at yahoo.com. All right. So let's get into it. Um, last podcast episode, I discussed a, the Army Hammer drama. Um, and so I'm going to do, I mean, this just keeps evolving. So I'm going to do a small another recap of what's been following on from that. Um, and then I'm going to talk about, I'm going to do a bit of a deep dive into the Australian Open tennis. Now, this is, I'm not a person that's into tennis. I guess you probably wouldn't call this pop culture, but it's a big drama that's going on in Australia right now. And for the rest of the world, um, I think it'll be fun for you to hear, um, particularly, yeah, all the bickering that's been going on between the players. Like, I've never been interested in tennis, yet I'm super inter- interested in the Oz Open this year because all of the drama. Um, so stay tuned. I'll have that installed for you. Um, but I'll begin with a quick recap of the week. So... Well, last two weeks. It's been a bit of a gap since the first episode because I, um, well, in Australia, we had the Australia Day long weekend, um, which for those of you who don't know, so Australia is on the, Australia Day is on the 26th of January and there's a bit of a controversy around it, which is that um, on the, that the 20th, Australia Day on the 26th of January marks the landing of Captain Cook on Australia, which is the start of the, England coming to Australia and um, I guess 
our country being set up in its current form. So I say current form in that Australia is actually a very, we think of it as a new country, but it's a very, very old country um, in that the Aboriginal people are one of, of Australia are one of the oldest peoples and they have been here in Australia for many, many years. Um, but modern Australia, I guess, wasn't started until the English arrived. Now, so that's what Australia Day marks. Um, a lot of the Indigenous population, Aboriginal peoples of Australia um, are very unhappy that Australia Day marks the 26th of January and Captain Cook's landing because they think of it as the English invasion and they have been calling it Invasion Day. So there's been a campaign to, it's been happening for a few years, to change Australia Day to a different date. Now, the, the, one of the issues is the day that would make sense, which is when Australia it was initially set up as the various states were different colonies set up by the English. And then in 1901, the, the states got together and formed a federation and making it official, officially a full country. So the federation date would be a great option for Australia Day. The problem being that the federation happened on the 1st of January, which is also New Year's Day, which is already a public holiday. So we can't use that. Um, so there's been a dis- bit of discussion as to which dates would be usable. To be honest, I can I like I didn't even know when Australia Day was the 26th of January until this whole debate came about. Um, you know, I always used to get it mixed up and think it was like the 27th, um, and then people would have to remind me, oh, you know, it's Australia Day tomorrow. I go, oh, is it? Um, so they could move it to the 27th, and I wouldn't even notice. Um, that's my two cents on it. Um, I'm sure someone could give you a much more eloquent and passionate um, analysis of why we should change the date. Um, I Look, I'm not going to do that because I think that's already been said in many different forums and people can say it a lot better than me. So um, if you want to look into that, please do um, from a much better source than me, um, a much more informed source. Right, so that was Australia Day. We had that. Um, and then what's been happening in the news? So we had, of course, big, big news is the inauguration of Biden, President Biden, um, which I must say I was super tuned into the US election as the election results were coming out. But for the inauguration, I sort of tuned out a bit Um and was just waiting to hear if there was any spectacular drama. Um, to my knowledge, there wasn't. Please write in if you have any inauguration comments that you'd like to um, say. I would say that um, one of the biggest stories, stories if you call it that, is that meme of um, Senator Bernie Sanders wearing his coat and mittens. Um, he looked quite cute. That was funny. Um, Anyway, look, I think that's really all the news that there was from the inauguration, but please let me know if I'm wrong. Um, I must say, I'm just, I'm just happy that a certain man is out of office and um, we can get, well, I say we, America. I'm not American. I'm not living in America. It doesn't affect me that much. Um, but I'm hoping America can get back to some sense of normalcy. Um, and I'm just honestly sick of seeing Trump in the news. Like, I just... I started. I stopped watching the news for a few years, just particularly American news, because I just couldn't handle listening to him talk um, and hearing the shit that he said. Like I just, 
I feel I, I just got over it. And I think a lot of people, probably in America as well, they they started tuning out to his press conferences and things he would say because they just uh, they just got sick of it. Um, he was just bombarding them with scandalous thing that he would say after scandalous thing after offensive thing and people just they got exhausted um so i'm glad that chapter is behind america um yeah i mean what else is there to say about that um good luck to president biden and kamala harris as vp um, right, so that was that was big. That was the most recent big world news. Um, in terms of pop culture, we've still got the rumors circling about the Kim and Kanye divorce. Um, I th- am predicting. I feel like something's going to come out about that substantially soon. Um, how long can these rumors be floating around until something concrete, you know, is revealed? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, if anyone has any information, I'm going to do a Kardashian deep dive in another episode. Um, not this one, because I feel like I've got other stuff to talk about. Um, but yeah, if you if you have anything to say on Kim and Kanye, please write in. Um, yeah, so there's that. Um, and I um, started following this Instagram page called Dumois. Um not sponsored, of course. Why would they pay me to promote to my three lovely listeners? Um, Dumois, but it's this private Instagram account. You just request it. Um, it's spelled Dumois like the French um, to me. And she, I'm assuming it's woman, it's, it's anonymous. Um, people send in a bunch of like blind bits of information to her and she posts them it'll be like i saw you know i've heard that big a-list actor is having a you know divorce with um model wife coming out in a few weeks and then you'd sort of have to guess who it is although some of the information will say um who it's about depending on i guess who's involved and what kind of bit of gossip um is being revealed and I mean people talk about like they might if they spot a celebrity they'll often send in a photo like um Nicole Kidman spotted at Star- Starbucks you know something it'll be like little spots of celebrities quite funny and um uh, quite a few things have been predicted in Dumois that have come later come out so ha- like um there's Hasley it's like how you say on her name I don't I'm not really into her um, like her, but I just don't know any of her songs and I don't know how to pronounce her name. Um, I'm sure she's lovely though. So she announced she was pregnant this week and that came up in Demois the week before. So you, it's, it's obviously some of the stuff is probably made up. Some of the stuff is true. It's good fun. Um, if you like celebrity gossip and you kind of, it, it's very gossip girl, you know, where they would send in, um, gossip girl blasts. It's very much like that. So if you, have ever watched the show Gossip Girl and you want to feel like you're involved in Gossip Girl, follow Dumois. Um, And also, while we're talking about Instagram pages to follow, please follow my Instagram page for this podcast, which is Too Rambly for for Twitter. That's the handle. Um, It's on Instagram. Please follow. Um, Has it... It shows my crap logo on it for this podcast and... Spotify probably has that logo up too. I'm going to modify and get another logo at some point. 
Again, this is, this is just a work in progress. We're basically in draft episodes, so bear with me. It's going to get better. We'll, we'll see how this podcast evolves. Yeah, so, all right. Um, I'm trying to think, is there any other big news of the week before I, um, before I move on? Um, not that I... Oh, okay, this is interesting. I thought this was good. So... Lily Ryan Hart. This weird thing came out about her. I don't know if you guys know her. She's on that Netflix show, um, Riverdale. Um, this sort of young teenage star. Um, a weird thing came out about her where she did a interview, and I think it was for Seventeen magazine. And then, well, <laughs> we. Everyone thought she did an interview for Seventeen magazine. This interview came out from her. Someone interviewed her from the magazine. And then she contacted them and said, you didn't interview me. That's not me. That's someone pretending to be me. And Seventeen magazine, I think it's Seventeen magazine, um, they had to come out and say, sorry, we, it was a case of mistaken identity. Someone pretended to be Lily the person I interviewed wasn't Lily. Sorry about that. We redact the interview. So weird. And then following this, it happened again at another magazine. So I think, so I don't know. I don't know if someone's like some crazy fan is like pretending to be her or something. Um, it's so weird. So that happened. And I thought that was interesting. And it was kind of interesting, interesting that like they got away with it and you, you know it just sort of bizarre you could think could anyone pretend to be a celebrity in an interview you know could I go get interviewed by Rolling Stones Rolling Stone I don't know pretending to be um uh, I don't know Taylor Swift pick a rock star or a pop star like how how weird such a bizarre thing to do yeah, so that that happened. Um, yeah, now I can't I can't think of anything else to mention at this point. Um, so I'm going to move on. I'll start with um, I'll do a bit of a recap for those of you who didn't listen to the previous um, podcast episode on the Army Hammer drama. Now Army Hammer, he's an actor and he's been in um, Call Me by Your Name, the indie film with um, Timothy Chalamet. Sorry for my pronunciation. Um, he was in uh, On the Basis of Sex, which I loved that movie. Um, he played the husband. Annoyingly, he was really good in it. Um, and then he was in The Man of Man from Uncle with Henry Cavill. Um, he was also in um, The Social Network and um, the Johnny Depp uh, film The Lone Ranger. Um and he's set to be in, it's coming out, it was meant to come out last year, but it's, come out, it's coming out this year sometime. The um, Death on the Nile movie, with, um, the Agatha Christie novel movie, um, he's one of the characters. So, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that it, I found this out um, now and then I have to go and watch that movie because I love the Agatha, Christ, Agatha Christie um crime novels and I was really excited to watch this movie um but now I'm every time he pops on screen I'll be thinking cannibal cannibal 
Right, so that's what he's been in. And the news about him is that a bunch of... It was a couple of weeks ago now. A couple of DMs were leaked on Twitter and Insta- Instagram, um, basically, which are which are allegedly from him. I have to say allegedly. Please don't sue me, anyone. Um, allegedly from him, where he was writing to a woman describing um, cannibalism and rape fantasies um they were heavily cannibalistic he was saying things like i want to eat your brain i want to cook your flesh um i want to cut your toes off and carry them around in my handbag well no sorry his pocket he doesn't have a handbag he's not cross-dressing that we know yet um no so cannibalism yeah and it was it was describing this he was obviously having an affair with this well allegedly having an affair with this woman the messages go on as he's talking about like going to see her while his wife's and, and the kids are away or whatever um oh yeah i should say he's married um and has two young kids and um he, he, the, some of the messages as well describe some of the acts they'd done together they clearly had well you know this alleged if you, if you believe the dams they clearly ha- had done some of the acts i don't know he's ever actually eaten flesh but it would describe like some of the really rough sex that they did engaging like bondage and knife play and um particularly one event is described by a woman the main woman leaking these dms is this instagram account called house of epi um and she has just she alleged claims she had a four-year relationship with him and she just keeps leaking dms like i think until she gets an apology from him or something because it's it's kind of amazing she just keeps leaking them and there's just more and more and they just get worse and worse and worse and particularly in some of the um documents she leaked um like for some of them will be um direct messages from instagram some of them will be facebook messages on facebook messenger from him and some of them she even leaked an email passage from email exchange from him which is she was describing particularly this event where he um they engaged in like uh like rape play um which is like i guess when you like pretend that it's rape um but she was saying that he pushed her beyond her limits then didn't give her a safe word um he doesn't use safe words and she was felt that that was um rape essentially or sexual assault or that she wasn't consenting the whole time or I don't know and and that she's had like a lot of of mental health issues as a result and his his replies to her always you know this was um pretend rape essentially you know we were in a kinky relate BDSM relationship context it was consensual but she of course she's disagrees um and she, yeah, she keeps leaking a lot of DMs about that. And I should say it's not just her. It's many, it's quite a few women, particularly two women came out and said that, you know, and it, believed it and said that they've had their own experiences with, with him. And these two women that have, were publicly seen to be dating him out and about um, after his divorce from his wife. Um, and then a couple other women you know have been leaking stuff as well and they you know have been saying that they also had affairs with him 
while he was married and he would have these like kink-based relationships with them which they said was very toxic and very um abusive and controlling um and was and particularly what i found interesting was that house of effie was talking particularly said that he gets off on pushing vanilla girls into these bdsm acts that they wouldn't have wanted to do it on their own volition like that he likes pushing them past their comfort zone which i think if we're talking about whether there's been any um crimes committed i think that's key and that uh, if he does enjoy pushing them past their limits and their um then you then you're really blurring the line of consent um Right, but anyway, these these allegations are crazy. Um, the the messages are really, really graphic, really violent. Talking, yeah, talking about cannibalism, rape. He talks about how he um, ate a deer's heart and like enjoyed it. He talks about all sorts of stuff. She's um, she's recently leaked some DMs where he was talking about how he um, enjoyed abusing his family dog. Um, and one of the other women, this Courtney, I don't know how to say her last name. It starts with V. It's like Vitch, Vitch. I don't know. Court, she was one of the women that was known to be dating him publicly after the divorce. Um, and she has since, this is new news post my last episode. She came out with this YouTube video, um, talking about her experience with ARMY and how, um, abusive it was. And she has leaked her own DMs. And she said that he also wanted to, liked abusing the family dog and abusing animals. Um, and that, you know, really fucked up stuff. Um, she, and she said that he cut a, the letter A into her with a knife and all sorts of like really crazy stuff. Um, yeah, it's just, it keeps unfolding with more news coming out. Yeah. Courtney coming out was, um, probably one of the main store stories that's happened as it evolves since the last episode. Um, Oh, right. Well, actually no, there's more. I'm still going. (laughs) I'm just remembering it. Um, yeah. So, also, I'll say in the last podcast, it talked. I talked about how he had been dropped from the J Lo movie that he was going to do, and he said it was because he had to um, be there for his family right now and his children, um, in the Cayman Islands, which is where the um, family current res- currently are residing. Um, but then someone hacked his Finsta, or one of he only had like fourteen followers, and someone like leaked from his. Finster, all these posts and they were like him doing drugs um him he posted a photo of his divorce like order or something from the Cayman courts which says that he has to get a drug test before he sees his children um and it was posting how he, the how he was faking drug tests um it was wild. He and then he posted a video of himself with this woman on who was like sta- like sort of kneeling on a bed in like lingerie and like her um, bum looked sort of red, like it had been spanked. And he was walking around talking about how cool he was. It was something about like divorce sucks, but at least I'm get to fuck Miss Cayman Islands. Now, apparently the woman in question, I don't know for sure, but apparently she was like runner up in the Miss 
Cayman Islands competition or or I don't know. Anyway, she definitely wasn't Miss Cayman. And the Miss Cayman <laughs> Miss Cayman Islands um yeah, that that the Miss Cayman Islands committee came out and they were like full on released a statement being like, "Oh, I'm you know, this is we saw this video. It is not Miss Cayman Islands. They have cuz she has like a a morality contract or something um while she represents the um organization so yeah they came out and they said this is not miss cayman islands uh we ask army hammer to please um delete the video and state that it is not miss cayman islands um which is quite funny because it was from his private instagram account and then he had to come out and say oh, i didn't mean to offend anyone it's not miss cayman islands i was just joking with my friends um so that's kind of funny um yeah it's he's he, he just the more you hear about it the more completely off his nut he sounds um and I, okay so i mentioned the celebrity gossip site um Dumois. one of the things that was mentioned on there there was well, there's a couple things about army hammer they've been following that story a lot um apparently he is he after his divorce this is before this all came out and before he's i guess think he's currently in the cayman islands before that um he moved into this house or something um next to erica jane from um or sorry erica girardi from um real housewives of beverly hills um when she's apparently divorcing her husband um uh, Tom, whoever his name is, the big lawyer. Um, anyway, apparently he lives next door to her at the moment. And he, one of the things on his Finsta is a picture of her, like in these like really provocative lingerie being like, check out who my new neighbor is. Um, ugh, creepy. Um, yeah, I hope he locks his, I hope she locks his doors. Poor Erica. Um, yeah. And then another thing that was on um, Dumois was that they came, someone wrote in saying that they're in the Cayman Islands and they've been seeing Army Hammer around at parties and he's like um, bitching about this girl that's accusing him of rape, which is um, the, the House of Effie Instagram account. And basically just like living it up, drinking, doing drugs, like partying hard and like acting like there's not a care in the world. Um, don't know if this is true or not. It's all, it was just anonymous tip. So who knows? But I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he's, um, from what it goes along with what we've been seeing off his Finster account, which is that he's, um, definitely been doing drugs and partying, um, as this new story develops. Um, yeah, I mean, what it's, I found kind of incredulous is that, is that the right word? Incredulous? Incredible. I'm incredulous and it is incredible. I think that's how you say it. Um, what I find quite incredible is that Army had a finster but was messaging these girls off his public Instagram account, which um, is just so bold. Like he really just – either he was so convinced, so arrogant, he thought he'd never get caught or he wanted to get caught. Um, plus I did actually check on his Finster how many pictures he'd posted and he hadn't posted that many. So I also think that maybe if 
if what House of Epi has been saying was true, that he's been doing this for years and years and she was in a relationship with him for four years, that the Finster account may have only recently been set up. Um, yeah, I mean, anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's, it's, it's, um, it's a very interesting story. And I think also, um, so getting a bit de- uh, um, sort of sad at the moment is that um house feffy was also um saying that this one of the other women who's been um was one of his uh he calls them kittens these women that he was having these affairs bdsm affairs with um she tried to commit suicide from the stress of all of this so it's getting quite dark. Um, and the other thing that House Effie alleges is that she's been getting lots of messages um, from underage women, like 17 minors, who claim to have had um, experiences with Army Hammer like that she was describing. So potentially there's there's minors involved in, as well, um, which if so, like we're getting into some seriously like illegal territory here. Um, I don't know. Of course, it's all alleged um but i don't know it'd be interesting to see if anything actually comes out of this in terms of criminal action because look the issue with um all of this is when you accuse of course if you when you accuse someone of rape or sexual assault you it's always quite difficult just you know you'll say the the well i'm going to say women but the victim um i'll not be sexist here the victim in this in the circumstances you know, would say it was not consensual. And then the perpetrator would say, um, no, they did consent generally. That's generally how it goes down. And um, there's, I guess there's some factors to determine, um, the, help the court determine if there was likely consent or there wasn't consent. Um, but it becomes even more difficult in the circumstances where you've got a sort of kink-based BDSM relationship going on and which acts were going beyond what the victim was consenting to, particularly if you can't prove, like, was there safe words and how do we know if a safe word was said or not and whether or not um, you listened to a safe word. Like, um, yeah, so it would be interesting to see if they're able to actually pin anything down. Uh, My guess is that there'll be no nothing will come of this in terms of criminal action um, or even like a civil lawsuit. But I do think that he, this, the sort of evidence of how weird and creepy um, he is, like it's just been overwhelming. I just think people won't want to see him in movies anymore. That's my guess is that I don't think he's going to be able to recover from this. Um, But one of the, the, um, an email in the, um, to Dumois said that apparently they know him and he thinks he can recover from this, which is, <laughs> which if, if that's true, that's interesting because I can't see how you could get past like a story this big. Um, yeah. It, anyway. Um, yeah. And I, oh, I must say I, another, um, I think a DM that was leaked, which I think came from House of Effie, but it also may have come from Demar, was that apparently was there was a, a woman came out and said that they had a um, 
they had been talk messaging Army Hammer and he had asked her like come to London or something and do these like BDSM acts with me and she I think was hadn't done much of that before but she had a, uh, a male friend that was um, very into that world and she asked him like should I go and do that he said there'd be no you know she asked she, I think she asked Army, will we have safe words? And he says, nah, don't need them, something like that. And then she apparently went and um, asked her her male friend who's very into BDSM and said, should I do this? He said, no safe words. And the friend was like, no, absolutely not. If there's no safe words, if he says no safe words, you absolutely should not go see him. Um, this That is a big red flag that this is outside of, I guess, um, how the... Um, BDSM community normally behaves, um, you know, in a, in a safe and consensual way, like don't do it. And so she didn't. And she posted a thing about that. Um, I think so that, that again, that that's interesting. I've heard, yeah, it seems like quite a few women were saying that he didn't like to use safe words. Um, which I think is a big red flag. Um, yeah. So this of course, again, I'll say it's all alleged, but you know, yeah, um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, so what came out to uh, in the last couple of days? So um, apparently he's been dropped from another movie, which is the um, uh, some Godfather, God, the Godfather drama TV series called The, o- the Offer. He's been dropped from that, apparently. So that's interesting. And I, and I keep, I think... I think we're going to see him drop into relative obscurity. I can't imagine he's going to keep getting roles. It's too weird. He's just, it's the, the, the message was, were too creepy, too extreme. I just, I do wonder what will happen though with, um, apparently they were meant to be filming call me by your name too soon. Um, and I, they can't recast him. It won't work. But at the same time, there was a big audience for that movie that really wanted the first one, that really wanted to see the second one. So I'll be really curious to see if that movie just never gets made and they've, they've decided to drop it after this scandal, or if, um, or if, if, or if it'll go ahead. Um, in which case, we will be seeing him in a big movie, which would just be be interesting. Mm. And um, yeah, so yeah, I don't, anyway. Talking, oh, I should say, talking about um, TV shows that he's been in, um, someone wrote into Demois about how um, on Gossip Girl, he played, um, he was on there for a few episodes playing this, um, he was the guy that was um, dating, if you remember the character Poppy, and they got, um, and then, and he started dating um Blake Lively's character Serena and um but and he was running some like f- fake investment scheme that was really like fraud and he was stealing everyone's money and he got Serena to introduce him to all her rich social circles so they would invest in his like fake investment idea and he would steal all the money um so he was on a few episodes for that storyline um and he was quite good in it um, as a character of a um, douchegag rich person, which is, I mean, probably very close to home for him. Um, 
but someone wrote into Dumois being like, do you, in a few interviews, and you can find them, like that he had said that um, Blake Lively was a, um, basically was a bitch and really hard to work with during Gossip Girl and got him fired. Um, and then a lot of other people wrote in saying like, no, she was so lovely, um, but he did get fired. They didn't get along. Um, I... Someone speculated on Dumois, like, did she know about any of this? Did she face any harassment by him? I don't know. I don't think I, I probably, she, I can't imagine she knew any of this at the time. It probably would have come out. I don't know. Um, I think, I think there's no, basically there's no evidence she had any, knew about any of this or any, had any um, interaction with him. I think he probably was just, act, maybe he was just acting like an asshole and she really didn't like him and they didn't get along and she was like, didn't want to work with him which I wouldn't be surprised. Um, he doesn't sound like that much of a nice person. Um, but it is interesting. So that was a, um, the interview that, yeah, he said that stuff about Blake Lively was um, a, the clubhouse, you know, uh, what, 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 what's happened live, you know, Andy Cohen. Um, but it is interesting to go back to his old interviews because what I did find a few days ago was this um, interview of him on, um, with, on the uh, what is it? Stephen Colbert show, the late, late, late show. I don't know how many lates are in that one. Whatever. Um, and he was interviewing him, and he told this story about how he um ate this like gross meat off a like street cart in somewhere. Was it New York? I don't know. And like survived again. Like talking about eating meat in an interview. It's just. It sounds. It's fine originally, but sounds a bit weird now. And the other thing that he did in that interview was he brought a a rope for him and Stephen sorry is it yeah Stephen Kobe I was gonna say it's not Stephen is it Stephen um to he brought like yeah they brought them he brought them each a rope and they did like he showed it it was his party trick how to tie a rope tie a rope really quickly and like Stephen asked you know made a joke like oh is it how do you know all these rope skills it's because you're you're a sailor and he sort of like looked off and laughed and clearly he was indicating that he's into like bondage and but I guess everyone thought it was like a fun kinky level and not the extreme extremely um creepy um and horrifying level that's come out um yeah but I mean I wonder if they'll take that down like watching him basically demonstrate bondage skills on, like on YouTube with Stephen Colbert it's so weird um it's it's yeah it's bizarre um truly anyway so that is that's I think I think I've covered everything that's been evolving from that um as it's been going down. Um, oh, I will say, so what happened like last night or so ago, um, the house of Effie Instagram account, like randomly disappeared. Like she deleted all her stuff and everyone was going, what the hell happened to her? Like she deleted her Twitter, I think as well. People were wondering, cause she, she sort of does, she posted it. Cause I watch her story. She posts like a sort of good night. I'm done all the time, but I don't know if that's just the end of the day or the end of the posting that she's, done with and then she'll like be back the next day but she posted I think a good, goodbye I'm done and no one because she'd done it a few times no one noticed and then she suddenly had disappeared and people didn't know what had gone on they didn't know if like she'd been like shut down because of some legal issue or um 
you know, like if I say like Army was suing her or I don't know, or if she was having like some mental breakdown or whatever. Um, and they didn't know if she was gone for good. Um, and then today, or I think she came back and she's posting again where she's, de- but she's deleted all her. She had a few public posts, not Insta stories, but posts and w- which had photos of her, but they were like always from the back or you couldn't really see her. You couldn't make her out. And she deleted all of those posts and she just kept the um, stories about her information and screenshots um, uh, from a army and they were all saved as like saved um stories but all her other posts were gone and she posted on her story that she's um people don't have her permission to use those photos they can only use the stuff she's posted about army so i don't know if she had some issue about i don't know some journalist post posting that um who knows and yeah and then she's posted another another little story which says my goal is to always protect women and stop a horrible abuser from hurting even more women the truth is the only way to hold him accountable is to take real action thank you for everyone who's worked so hard to sabotage that great job so sarcastic um i wonder if she's trying to take legal action and something happened i don't know and she has threatened to try and take legal action be interested to see if anything comes of that so my advice she says my advice is to people is to not trust anyone who comes on here with zero proof of any involvement with army hammer and start slandering the victims who have mountains of evidence so i think she obviously had some interaction maybe with someone who was trying to defend army or something and criticize her or who knows and then she said nobody has my permission to save spread or use any of my photos or videos in any way with the exception of what's been saved in the army hammer folders goodbye so i don't know if she's going to if that's again if that's good night for the day or if she'll be back tomorrow or if she's just done posting and and she's just saved all the leaked army hammer dms on that account and then she's not posting anymore i don't know it'll be interesting to see um but she just already even if she posts no more she's the amount of screenshots she has leaked a huge 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 amounts like of that was very trump huge um um yeah she's just piles of screenshots saved on this account um so yeah it'd be interesting to see what's come of it i hope she's doing okay she does sound on her instagram stories it sounds very like she sounds very like she's having a lot of mental health issues um so look who knows um but i hope i hope she's not I hope she's doing okay, basically, whether or not she continues to post anything more or whether or not she decides to take legal action or anything else. I hope she's just doing okay and taking care of herself. Um, Now, okay, so I'll move on to the Australian Open drama. So hold on, I'm just going to have, I'm drinking tea. I'm going to have a cup of tea, Mm. have a little sip and um, now I'll get into it. So for those of you who are from outside of Australia, if you haven't been following um, Australia, how Australia has handled COVID, we have been very strict. The official um, position is is called um, it's aggressive suppression, which basically means that like we try and get our case numbers as close to zero as physically possible. If there's even one case, like we put in case 
restrictions go up and they track the case down and yeah and we have been melbourne in particular um which is where the australian open has been held was in in lockdown six months of last year i was in it it was hell it was really hard we couldn't we couldn't even we weren't allowed to leave the house for more than an hour of exercise um for like four months it was like it was really extreme it was really 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 hard lockdown um but we've got zero cases now so um uh, anyway we've had and now yeah now they're bringing a bunch of people from overseas to the australian open and everyone well first of all they're very upset about it because normally we, normally australia loves the australian open melbourne loves it a lot where melbourne's very into its sports but this year they're, they're very angry that they've come because if we even get one case our um the victorian government which is the state which melbourne is in will put us under more restrictions straight away so we where we live in fear of even one case escaping so they just think that a lot of people just think the danger is way too high for the australian open so first of all they don't want them here in the first place um and then also what was happening was this was sort of around Christmas, New Year's period, there was a lot of border, sudden border closures happen between the states as um, like there was one case of COVID of the UK strain in Brisbane and Victoria and all the other states quickly shut their borders within like 45 minutes and you couldn't get in back home into the state. Like even if you're a Victorian resident and you were in Brisbane, you couldn't get back in until they later like let them back in once that COVID case was gone and they worked out it hadn't spread. And the biggest story was that on New Year's Eve, um, they shut the border to New South Wales because they were having a small outbreak. Like they had like 30 cases. That's it. And they closed the border and a bunch of people on New Year's Eve were trying to get home um, and they like couldn't get and they, they were locked out of the border. Some of them were in line on the border and locked out and they were locked out for like a month. So Victorian residents um, Melbourne people who couldn't get home. Um, so they were like homeless in New South Wales and Sydney cause they, cause they couldn't get home. Um, and they were locked out for a month and they're still, I think we've opened the border to most of New South Wales, but particular parts of Sydney is still, if you, if you were in there and you're a Victorian resident, you cannot come home still. So people are very mad that not only, are you know, is there the danger of bringing COVID in from these people, um, these Australian Open um, participants? They're mad that they get to come into Melbourne and you've got Melbourne people stuck in Sydney who still can't get home and they've just been to Sydney. Um, and I'll also, we've cut our international borders closed since March. So Australian citizens overseas can't get home and they haven't been able to get home for a year. And yet we bring in tennis players into the country, but we won't bring our own citizens home. So that's, that's the context that the Australian Open is operating in this year. So people are very annoyed about this tennis event. Um, yeah, so it, it's, not, it's not a good background for the Australian Open to be operating in, but that's, they decided, the Victorian government gave them the green light, amazingly, and they've decided to go ahead. And I don't know if that was the wisest decision because people, the Australian public and Melbourne in particular, were p are pissed off that they're here. Um, we, do, because we, we were terrified of COVID. Uh, we can't take a single, the risk of even a single case 
is way too high for us at the moment after the lockdown we have this last year and how strict our government is. And we've got our own people stuck in Sydney and stuck overseas and they can't get home to Melbourne, but we let these tennis players in to play in the Australian Open. So, yeah, so anyway, that's that's the context. Now, what happened? So the way that they were bringing them into the country um, is that the normal, normal process for anyone trying to get into the country, like an Australian citizen trying to get home, if you're lucky enough, there's like a list of a capacity list. And if you get on the list, you can get home. But there's others that are still stuck overseas because they can't get a spot. Um, but if you are lucky enough to get a spot, you have to come in, you can't fly in to the country and you have to do 14 days hard quarantine in a hotel. It's called hotel quarantine. Everyone's had to do it. If you've wanted to cross state borders when state borders have been locked, you've had to do hotel quarantine. Even sometimes there was a time when Melbourne had its outbreak and Sydney was close to Melbourne. If you wanted to go from Melbourne to Sydney, you had to do two weeks hotel quarantine to get into New South Wales and Sydney. So lots of people have done hotel quarantine and it's been operating for a year and it is very strict. You cannot leave the hotel room from under any circumstances, like maybe unless there was like a fire and you were going to die, but you cannot leave the hotel room for 14 days. Um, yeah, so we, and we take that very seriously. Melbourne's lockdown, they kept us under lockdown for, for like a, for six months of the year and was horrible. That happened because cases escaped from hotel quarantine. We had like no cases, but the government stuffed up um, hotel quarantine and they weren't, and they had these security guards that weren't following like COVID protocols. Like they weren't wearing masks and, and stuff and they went and were interacting with the guests. They weren't taking it seriously and they picked up COVID and spread it all over Melbourne. And so we went from having like no cases to this mass outbreak and we were under lockdown most of last year. So we take hotel quarantine very seriously. So um, now these, so most people coming into the country, they've got to do the 14 days hotel quarantine. The Australian Open got an exception for that, where the players were told you can come in, you do hotel quarantine and you can do like, you've got to be in the hotel quarantine, but you get five hours a day outside where you'll be taken to a practice area and you can practice and then you'll be taken back into hotel quarantine and they're going to be tested every day as well um so that was that was the plan is that they were originally like they were told yeah so you, you have to do hotel quarantine but each day you'll get five hours of practice um and in addition to that and the testing that they get tested every day before they got on the plane they had special charter flights to fly them in because there's no flights into australia at the moment they you had to test negative before you got on the plane. And like Andy Murray, he tested positive before he got on the plane and he just got, he was just out of the open, out of the Australian Open and he can't play. And so he's stuck in London. Um, so it's very tough. Um, so essentially the drama happened with these charter flights. Okay, sorry if there's a little buffer between I just took a pause and I'm starting a new segment because I had to go and make a fresh cup of tea and um, rest my voice a bit I feel like I was definitely living up to the name of the podcast of rambling um, please let me know if I'm speaking too fast or um, for too long let me know I'm definitely open to feedback I want to know 
all your thoughts. This is a work in progress. Think of these initial episodes as more of a draft. Um, I'd love your input. Anyway, so now the Australian Open drama started with the these chartered flights. So these are flights that were leaving from various parts of the world where the tennis players had to get to the flights and it was flights full of just tennis players and then tennis players like coaches and other staff. Um, yet now you had, and you had to take test negative before you even got on the plane. Now, there was, a, it was an, an initial controversy of someone tested, well, Andy Murray tested positive and he was just out of the open. Someone, another uh, person, Madison, someone from America tested positive out of the open. Um, and another person, I think he was American, not sure, he tested positive, but he was allowed onto the plane because it was determined by the Australian health officials that um, he was... He had the virus in November and he just still had it in his system, but he wasn't contagious. Like it was what they call this shedding of the virus. I don't know if you've heard of that. So it's where they say you, you, you're over the virus, you're not um, infectious anymore, but you've still got traces of the virus in your system from the old inf- virus infection. So you still, it still shows up, traces of it still show up on your test and that's why you test positive. So when they determined that, he let him, they let him on the plane. But apparently it was like he was waiting at the gate and they were waiting for the call and then they were like, you can get on. And it was all very dramatic. And he posted about it on Twitter. I think he didn't realize, I think he thought it was funny, but a lot of people don't know that they entirely believe this shedding thing and they think any positive test just to be safe should have not been allowed on the plane. So there was a lot of outrage around him and he later actually I think came out and said like I wish I hadn't been let on the plane or I wish or I certainly wish I hadn't posted that I didn't realize the context of what you know around COVID of the country I was flying into I didn't realize how seriously they took it and then it was going to become such a controversy and then I and I think that's an important point that um, I'll reiterate later in terms of the other drama that happened with the Open that I'm about to get into is that I think I think the Australian Open they sold this tennis match to the players, you know, as this tennis tournament, you know, in a more in a positive light, you know, like here's you have to take these COVID steps to prevent COVID, COVID regulations protocols, um, but it will be a good tournament or something like that. And I don't think, I don't imagine that they said to them, you are coming into a country that is terrified of COVID. Even one case, even if you do everything right and you accidentally have it and you, you know, of course, everyone accidentally has COVID, but you, you have it and then you accidentally give it to even just a cleaner who's cleaning your hotel room and you've done nothing wrong. If they work out, it comes from you, you know, you're going to be a pariah in the news. Like that's how seriously we take COVID. Um, And if you do break any COVID protocols, you will be hated in the country. This is how stringent we are about it. I don't think that they told them the context of what they were flying into. Um, And, you know, I think there's a bit of like a cultural disparity between like America, who's completely given up on the virus, um, although hopefully Biden will um, improve that somewhat. Um, and then the Europe and the UK who are trying to prevent the spread but are living with the virus. And I think there's not a lot of coverage around the world about how Australia is dealing with it, um, which is that we are so stringent and so strict and we take even one COVID case really seriously. So anyway, so now the next, so he, this guy, as I said, who tested positive, but they said he was shedding and wasn't contagious. 
um, to he got on the plane now and then yeah there's a small controversy around him but the big controversy really is that on three separate charter flights this happened three different times the Australian Open was very unlucky they on three separate charter flights um someone tested negative before getting on the plane like they were supposed to but by the time they landed when they tested they tested them again when they landed and they tested positive so what likely happened is that they picked up covid and it has an incubation period of 14 days so you can have it and you don't and this is what i think in Europe and America, they don't talk about is they think, you know, if you test negative for it, you're fine, you're okay to go to a party or do whatever, but you're not because you could still have it. Um, and you, it's just, you can test, like you can test negative, you can pick it up on like say day one of a 14 period. You can test negative for every day until the 13th day at the end of the incubation period, you test positive. Sorry, because it, so it has to, you know, it can ink, take up to 14 days to incubate and be able to like show up on a test. I'm not a scientist, but that's, I think that's what they've been saying. Um, so I think what obviously what happened is they picked it up, but it hadn't, they were still in the incubation period and they didn't, they tested negative originally, but by the time they landed, they um, had the, you know, they were further enough in the incubation period that they tested positive. And I think it's pretty unlucky but, and I think probably it's kind of, I guess, rarer for it to happen that way. And I think the Australian Open was kind of hoping that they wouldn't get that unlucky, but they did. And it happened three separate, like three different flights, um, which were actually four people. So there's two people on one flight and then one person on the other two flights, like each. So it was four people across three flights it happened to. And because of that, there was then a person that was deemed infectious on the flight. Now, where this story starts to get particularly interesting is that the players claimed, some players claimed that the Australian Open said to them, if there is a infectious person, you know, someone with COVID on your flight, um, we're going to divide you up. Well, we, we will divide you up into like spread you out across the plane. And they only had the plane running at 25% capacity. So that if someone did get on the plane that happened to have COVID, um, the, the, the odds of someone else picking it up from was less because they were all spread out, right? So they said, you know, we're going to spread you out into sections. And I think what they, I don't know how, we don't know how well they communicated it. But what the players are saying is they the Australian Open said to them, because you're separated into these different sections, if someone in the plane gets COVID, you only have to do full 14-day hotel quarantine if you if it's someone from your section. But what happened is that when they landed, the Australian government determined that everyone on that plane was what's termed a close contact, which means they come in contact with COVID, and so they all have to fully isolate for 14 days hotel quarantine. What that means is instead of doing the 14 days in hotel quarantine with five hours to go outside and train, they ha- they cannot leave the hotel room for 14 days under any circumstances. Some of them have been given like a bit of exercise equipment for their hotel rooms, or but that that's it. They cannot leave. There was um, even um, an apparently there was an incident where um someone opened their door to speak to a friend in the hotel room next door they didn't even like they were just sort of standing talking with the doors open and they there was a letter sent out from 
um, Tennis Australia saying we take this really seriously. That is a COVID breach. You are not allowed to open the hotel doors. Um, if you do, you if you do it again, you will be um, taken from the hotel and put into a um, what they call like a health hotel, which is like an even more extreme version of hotel quarantine with active COVID cases in it, which is kept under police guard. So and you'll be fined. And our fines are like. If you, if you try and like dodge hotel quarantine, you can be fined up to $20,000. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, so they, they cannot leave. Um, and I don't think, again, I don't think they realized the kind of culture of how seriously we take COVID. Um, because a lot of, you know, when the players came out and said, you know, we were told that we'd get five hours to practice and they've taken that away from us. And we were only told that if someone was near us on the plane had COVID, we'd have to do the full isolation. Um, not the whole plane. I wouldn't have come if I'd known that, some people have said. Um, but, you know, a lot of Australian people have, you know, think like you should have known. It was obvious because it's obvious to us, but was it obvious to them coming from somewhere like the US or Europe or anywhere? Like, uh, but it, it's very obvious to us that you even remotely get in contact with COVID and you're you know, thrown in ho- hotel quarantine 14 days like that. Um, and you know, a lot of people have, and I guess have rightly said, like if you had bothered to read any Australian news, you would know this and you would know how seriously, seriously we take it. I don't know. I think personally, I think Australia, the Australian Open should have provided them more context of what they were flying into, um, of this, of how seriously Australia takes COVID. Um, yeah, and anyway, and then what, where it also gets murky is so the Australian Open, they said, no, we did tell you, we told you, we were, we hoped that if someone on the plane has COVID, the Australian government, because it's up to the Australian government to determine who's a close contact and who has to isolate. Um, it's not up to the Australian Open. So they were hoping that by separating everyone into small groups on the plane, if someone had COVID, only the small group would have to isolate. But that, they were, that the determination was always going to be up to the Australian government. Um, and they knew that there was a possibility that the Australian government would determine that everyone on the plane was close contacts and they would all have to isolate. And I think there was confusion over... I think they, they sort of... they didn't. I don't know, they explained the best case scenario, which is only a small group has to isolate versus worst case scenario, which is the entire plane has to isolate. Uh, They said that they did tell them that worst case scenario, the Australian government could determine, well, it's actually the Victorian government, our state government would determine that they were all closer contacts and all would have to isolate. So, but they claim that they did tell them and there's been some, you know, some people have found the terms and conditions from the information they were provided and the various packs of information they were given. And some terms and conditions do say, you know, potentially if you're someone with, if someone is COVID positive on your plane, um, you may have to be do 14 days hotel quarantine. So yeah, so some people say they were warned, some people say they weren't. Um, and some, like another, like a New Zealand player came out and said, no, you guys were warned. And it was definitely smoking about on a Zoom call, but not every, not all the players attended the Zoom call. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, so the, <laughs> there's a bit, and look, a lot of players are taken to Twitter to say, you know, this is unfair. We can't be expected to be in hotel quarantine without ability to train for two weeks and go out and do a tournament. Like I think their first matches would be a week after getting out of hotel quarantine. They're saying like that'll cause injuries, and not only that, work like, would be super unfit and um, 
in a huge disadvantage coming into the tournament. Um, and yeah, so there were lots of complaints about that. So people were complaining that you can't open the windows in the hotels. Um, and yeah, like there was a lot of, um, a couple of tennis players that were very outspoken on Twitter and they made a lot of, well, I guess world news, but also Australian news. And the Australian news coverage of it was so mean to these players. They were basically saying like whiny, spoiled tennis players, criticize Australia. Like it was seen to, almost as an affront to Australia and our efforts to get rid of COVID. And when so many people in, our, in the country have had to do the 14 days hotel quarantine themselves, um, or if you're from Melbourne, you've done six months stuck at home in near full isolation, um, that they, they just think like, we had to do this. And then those spoiled people are complaining. Um, we've all gone through it. We've suffered worse than them. Um, and they complain about just 14 days. We did six months. Um, so, you know, the, the reception of their complaints has not gone over well. It's, um, but yeah, the, so, and the news articles about them were so mean. It was, it's kind of funny. Um, but again, I feel like almost bad that they weren't told, like, the context of the place they were flying into, that if you complained about things like hotel quarantine, it was going to go over really badly and the Australian people would be very upset. So, and then they, and some of them, one player who made some complaints on Twitter then later came out and sort of said, sorry, I didn't, I didn't realise how mad everyone was going to be. Um, I apologise for upsetting everyone. I take it all back. So some haven't taken it back, but one did because just from, I think she got an overwhelming response of, negative response from everyone saying like stop complaining we don't care about your tennis tournament like really mean stuff (laughs) particularly like on twitter like people were really mean um which i want to say like the australian people are lovely um and we love sport and we love tennis um but it's just at the moment we didn't want this match to go ahead and um we are just so the culture about covid at the moment is so um over the top we don't when you we don't like anyone who puts any gives us any risk of covid or um you know i guess insults our efforts they feel like you're insulting the people how much we suffered last year in nearly six months lockdown melbourne by sort of insulting our covid practices i think so people were very angry about some of these players complaints um and another factor in this is that a lot of the really big players like Nadal, Novak, Djokovic, um, and Serena Williams, etc., they flew into Adelaide instead of Melbourne because they're doing a pre-tournament over there. And the Australia, the the South, it's a South Australian government. That's where at the, where the city of Adelaide is in. Um, that government gave them has given them a lot more leeway in terms of their ability to practice and all sorts of things so those players have got a huge advantage in that they haven't done a strict quarantine as the majority of the other players in melbourne so um a lot of the melbourne players were also complaining that this is really unfair that those that got to fly into adelaide the better players were put given a much greater advantage where the more junior players um were sent to Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, so there's a bit of annoyance about that as well. And this is where... Um, so Novak Djokovic decided to um, wade into this and he, he sent an email 
to the head of Tennis Australia asking for, you know, things like we need more equipment sent to the players that are under um, full um, hotel quarantine. Um, yeah, send more equipment. Yeah, he, he said send more equipment to their hotel rooms. Get them better food quality because, oh, that was the other thing. The players were complaining about the food quality and sending photos of the food on Twitter and saying how bad it was. Um, so I, I don't know what... Apparently in the other years of the Australian Open, they always said how good the food was. But I wonder if... I don't know how it was done previously, but I wonder if because maybe it was like a big buffet of food or something and they're not doing that anymore because of COVID risk or... So something's changed this year and yeah, they won't have any about the food. So they said, you know, get them better equipment in the hotel rooms, better food. And then he said, try and shorten the hotel quarantine period. And the other last suggestion was try and get private houses with tennis courts to put people in. So that email got leaked. Um, and this was, I think, look, I think to be fair to Novak Djokovic, I think he was trying to be, help out the players that were, you know, stuck in this quarantine um, and I guess help the more junior players and provide more fairness between the Adelaide players and the Melbourne players. And like, I guess he was thinking of it like, I'm going to stick up for these disadvantaged players, but, and, you know, stand up for them. But, and they were just suggestions as well. They weren't, <laughs> they weren't demands, but they got leaked to the Australian press. And it was, you know, Novak Djokovic sends demands that we have to, particularly everyone was outraged by the thought that they had to shorten the 14 day hotel quarantine period because we, you know, you can still test positive after that. So we were very unhappy about that. And that also everyone mocked him for the idea that there was a bunch of like private houses they could put them in with tennis courts, like just lying around. Um, and yeah, and everyone took it like, you know, there's this, uh, big celebrity from overseas thinks he can come and tell us about our COVID practices. We were very mad. He got like, you know, absolutely roasted in the news. Um, and it didn't help that he had previously last year, I think, ran a tournament in, was he, is he from Serbia? In Serbia. And it was like a COVID super spreader event. So everyone was just, they were, yeah. The Australian press was so mean to him in response to these um, requests. And even the uh, Victorian Premier, so that's the head of the Victorian government, he um so <laughs> he made reference to some players have asked, have made demands. Um, you can make whatever demands you want. The answer is still no. Like basically, like shut him down on Australian television. It was wild. Um, yeah. So that that's so that was that, and I think the players were essentially just like forced to accept the hotel quarantine. Um, apparently, Tennis Australia did come out and say like the majority of players are understanding. It's only been a few that are um, angry and complaining and, and they're the outspoken ones. There's a lot of p other players that are happy and understand, um, you know, why they've got to do the 14 days full quarantine and they, um, they're happy to do it. I don't know if this is, they're trying to do a bit of PR and cover themselves because how angry this Melbourne is about this tournament. Or if, you know, if there is just a lot of players that are fine with it, who knows? Um, and I think um, also another player on Twitter came out and actually, you know, as I guess gave an opposite perspective of you saying, yeah, I, I'm in hotel quarantine, but I understand it. Um, I, I want to do the best by the Australian people and keep the Australian people safe, et cetera, et cetera. So again, I don't know if this is a brilliant PR move by him. Um, 
but yeah, so then there's even, yeah, there's been different people with different opinions. And uh, what got uh, particularly interesting was that um, the, oh, actually I'll say, before I go into that, I will say also one player was posting pictures on Twitter videos on Twitter of rats found in her apartment, which is sort of gross. Um, I mean, sorry, apartment, hotel room. And um, she was saying how she requested to move rooms, but it took them like three hours to move her, which, I mean, I would have, she was like sort of posting this as it happened live, being like, move me out of the hotel, like posting it on Twitter. Um, Personally, I don't know, that's a smart move. I'd be a bit more patient as a public figure. But anyway, and then they moved her to the second room and there were still rats or something. Or it wasn't rats, I think it's mice, it's mice. And they were posting videos, she was posting videos of even more rice, mice in the second hotel room. So I think, and you know, everyone was, it, the issue was, I don't know what, how that was resolved. I don't know if they could resolve it because it seems like the ho- whatever the hotel that they're in um, has um, a mice infestation. And I think... I don't look I've read so I read essentially that what happened was you know they had they, they had a series of like three or four um hotels set up for the hotel quarantine for the players for the Oz Open um and they were all like five star hotels there and um one of them the Western in um Melbourne CBD so it was it was signed up to do it and just before this the Australian Open went ahead um I don't know if it was the Australian Open or the Western like hotel itself they sent an email to their penthouse owners which are people that live and own the penthouse there and they're like residents they're not staying in the hotel they own their like apartment in the Western and they came back and said absolutely not we do not want the players here you know particularly I think a lot of them were old and they were we don't want to take the risk of getting COVID and dying um and they you know one of them was this um old wealth old wealthy property developer guy and he was you know I will sue I'm happy to throw in a couple thousand into the legal effort we're not having them here and I feel bad for the Australian Open because the Western agreed to host the players um, and before checking with their permanent residents. So, um, and so because of that, the, you know, the permanent residents obviously won that battle and the Western turned back to the Australian Open and said, no, yeah, we won't, we won't be able to take the players. And then so this happened like last minute and they had to scramble to find another hotel and set it up in time to... Um, host the hotel quarantine of the players and I think one of the ones that I've heard this that one of the hotel that they got in replacement for the western hadn't been open at all through last year's Melbourne lockdown so it's been closed for a year and so when they opened it up again in that year off it like developed a mice infestation I think that may be what's happened um I mean, don't quote me on this. All I know is there was definitely mice in this player's hotel room. Um, and I, but I think if, if the hotel does, has a, does have a mice infestation, the issue is they can't do much about it because they can keep moving her to different rooms, but they can't let them out of the hotel and change hotels. She's sort of stuck for 14 days. Um, yeah. Um, so there's, that's that. And um, I'm trying to think what's the next thing that's happened. Oh, uh, okay. 
sorry, right. The, so the latest brilliant thing that went down, and this is why I sort of love this story, is that there was this one player who was really complaining about how unfair it was to be put in full hotel quarantine for 14 days, that it's you know impossible for them to play if they don't have the promised five hours training time and how it'll get in, you know, they'll get injured and all sorts of stuff. And she was saying how she tested negative and so she, you know, she doesn't have the virus, so it's not necessary. She was really outspoken about it. And then she, she did test negative after the flight. So she was exposed to the COVID on the plane. Um, and then she tested negative when she landed and she tested negative for seven days. And then on the seventh day, she tested positive and she has COVID. And so she's, and then she had to apologize and delete her tweets and say, she understands now why we have a 14 day quarantine period. Um, yeah. And then, and then the issue, the also the issue is um, your quarantine. She has to restart her quarantine period. On so the seventh day, she tested positive for COVID. That means she now has to be in lockdown for another fourteen days from day seven, which means she gets out like just before the first match or something that she would have to pay. This is provided she gets over COVID as quickly as possible. If she's still infectious later, then she'll have to stay in hotel quarantine. And. Um, the issue about that is that, yeah, so she she will, doesn't know if she's going to be able to get out in time for her matches. And apparently she's meant to have um, equipment sent up to her room, but they, and she's complaining about that they've just abandoned her and won't send up the equipment um, or tell her when she'll be able to be let out of hotel quarantine. But the the issue with the equipment is that they still haven't they don't know how to get it up into a room because there's even more protocols about bringing in going into the you know for a staff member to go into an infectious person's room when they're you know, definitely infectious like she's got she's COVID positive which means I think they can't even get people to get into a hotel room to deliver um, the exercise equipment so I think they're working on that but an article came she did obviously got so frustrated that she um, did an interview article. And yeah, she was coming out like complaining, saying the Open's just like, Australian Open um, has just like abandoned her and she's like stuck in this hotel room now that she's COVID positive, um, like a sort of prior. Um, yeah, which is, I mean, look, personally, if I had COVID, I know she's healthy and not likely to die from it or anything, but if I was had COVID, I would have just forgotten about this tournament and just relaxed and laid in bed and just... You know, I mean, maybe she doesn't have any symptoms or anything and she's just positive, but, you know, she's asymptomatic. But I would still be, you know, wanting to just lie in bed, rest, keep my energy up and make sure, you know, you get through COVID. It's, you can get a really bad bout of it and I'd just be happy to have my health. And if I did test positive that um, I was over it and safe and well. Um, but anyway, I guess when you're a professional tennis player, I'm sure you've got like responsibilities. You've got people that rely on you, the hope you win. You spent money to get to the tournament, et cetera, et cetera. Um, anyway, but it was quite funny that she was one of the outspoken people um, that complained about the 14 days quarantine, saying it was unnecessary. And then especially, and then she tests positive on day seven, showing exactly why we have that. So I think... Um, and, and I do notice that a lot of the complaints had stopped after she tested positive. I don't know if that was also because by then they were already halfway through and they were obviously not going to be able to get out of it. Um, but yeah, I think if any other players were thinking of continuing to complain, seeing that she tested positive on day seven probably shut them all up. 
Um, yeah, so that's been the, that's been the Oz Open drama. Um, it's, it's been fun. I'm, I'm very curious for when the, um, tournament actually begins, what reception they're going to receive on court, because as I said, it's the perception, the Australian percept, people's reception and perception of this tournament and the Mel- like how the Melbourne people feel about this tournament is not positive at the moment. So I'm going to be really interested to see like once it's actually, the games are actually happening, um, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if say Novak Djokovic after his list of requests slash demands, if he gets booed when he enters the court, like it could be, could be interesting. Um, yeah, but anyway, I thought I'd give you a rundown of that, um, in case you haven't been paying attention because it's, it's been, um, it's been good fun. Oh, I will, you know, at least for me witnessing it, not actually being involved. Um, uh, another thing I will say is that, so Serena Williams, so she's in, um, the hotel quarantine in Adelaide, which is a lot more lenient than the Melbourne one. Um, as I previously said, but she did an interview with Stephen Colbert on his show and she, uh, she was sort of zooming in from the Adelaide hotel room and she was, you know, talking about how very, I think, I don't know if someone coached her on this or she's just quite smart and had realised where the, the other players had gone wrong in criticising our COVID practices because it doesn't go over well. Um, I mean, look, yeah, like I get what some of the players were saying about injury and how this is it's not good conditions to do a tournament under, but... Um, at the same time, they were never going to be able to get out of these COVID practices and we, you know, COVID regulations and hotel quarantine. And we were never, we were going to take no sympathy for anyone who criticizes um, our approach to COVID. So look, anyway, so I think Serena Williams, she either learned from other players' mistakes and realized that it won't go over well with the Australian people to criticize how we handle COVID or maybe she just generally meant this, um, but she was talking very positively about, um, how we handle COVID over here. And she said, um, yeah, we're very strict and a hotel quarantine is very strict. Um, But it's, she said, it's a really good thing because once you're out of hotel quarantine, you've done your 14 days, you can go out into a COVID-free society um, because we don't have any COVID cases at the moment. And you can just um, go out and relax and live your life Um, because, yeah, Australia has like no COVID, active COVID community transmission at the moment. Um, so she, so yeah, so she was speaking very positively of it, which I think was a wise move of her, even if she doesn't actually agree or who knows. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's been the Oz Open tennis drama. Um, I'm, as I said, I'm not really, I don't really follow tennis. I'm just enjoying all the, um, all the sort of the drama that's come out of this year's, um, open of trying to run a competition in the middle of a pandemic. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed my little deep dive into that. And now, and I'll, I was going to go into um, a little bit of like what I'm up to in my weekend and that sort of thing, but I think I'll do that um, maybe next episode if you'd like to hear, um, as it's already been quite long already. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And please feel free to write in um, to, uh, to, at, it's uh, too rambly for Twitter, yahoo.com. I want to hear your opinions on some of the stuff I've discussed today um, or just uh, you, you can give me your opinion on any other pop culture um, thing that's been going on and I'll research into it and give my two cents. Um, or even if you just want to write in and tell me about you and 
what's up with you. I want to hear, I want to hear it. Um, oh, and please also, you can tell me, um, some suggestions for this podcast, things you want me to talk about, or if you think, let me know if I talk too fast, say, um, and like too much or which I probably do, but I don't know how I'm going to change that. Um, or, you know, if you think, I like to keep this podcast pretty informal. I don't edit it. I don't even listen to it back. I just record it and send it off. Um, and if you don't like that sort of informality of it, let me know. I kind of like it that it's like a conversation between two friends out for brunch or over cocktails or over wine, you know, realistic. But if you don't like that, let me know. I'm keen to hear from you. So, And please follow on to Rambly for Twitter at Instagram. Um, yeah, on in, yeah, to Rambly for Twitter on Instagram. Um, and let me know if you th- think of a better name for the podcast. I'm up for suggestions. Um, yeah, thanks for listening and uh, stay tuned for the next episode.